0: Good morning court radio is now in session call 215-227-2727 when you've
1: got legal questions we've got the answers this is court radio and now here's your host dean weitzman good morning and welcome back i'm dean weitzman your host of court radio every saturday morning right here on 100.3 wrmb and classics 107.9 There you go, we've gotten our station identifications out of the way, we're ready to start the show. The firm is here, not completely, as we have one sick firm member.
0: Yeah, get well soon. Manny Manny, Manny Manny.
1: Manuel. Yeah, man. He is down and out.
0: For the moment.
1: Yeah, we wish him a speedy recovery. You know what else today is? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today is my youngest's birthday. Aww. Sophia? Sophia. I know she's
2: doing it big today. What is she doing?
1: Uh, We started last night. It's like a Greek event. Um, Mm. You know, we... we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure that was right. You know, one of those all weekend long things. Um, we went to see the new Trolls movie. <gasps> that looks so good. You know, it's the first time I've been to an, a theater is, since pre-COVID and, you know, didn't go much before that either. Um, it was a lot of fun to go to a movie theater to see a movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they actually have assigned seats now yes. uh, we've been doing that. that for
2: way before yeah yeah it's been a wow. long time since you've been to the movies. yeah, yeah. It's I, it's
0: I, cra- I went and see on saw the marvels uh-huh the movies yeah
1: thing. i saw the poster board for that up yeah, there.
0: yeah yeah it's, it's it's great to go back to the movies yeah it's, it's real good
1: the popcorn wasn't that good uh they they need a little improvement on the on the popcorn more salt yeah more salt <laughs> more butter more something
2: but you can do that yourself didn't you see the the butter station
1: i missed it i didn't realize they oh. have butter stations oh. now
2: yeah yeah <laughs> Sir, I'm concerned. I feel like it's been ten <laughs> years since you went to the movie theater. Probably because you know, the I... assigned seating started when people used to fight for seats for those for the Marvel movies. Uh. When the Marvel and people used to stand in line because I used to be in those lines with my my honey. We used to wait for like an hour in line, or you had to sit an hour in the theater, and then people got grumpy and people started fighting over seats, and then they started doing assigned seats, and yeah, life was great
0: because the first Avengers movie was noodles.
2: Yes, for noodles.
1: Yeah. Well, in any event, I I, I have I've not, yeah, regretfully, I have not been to the movies in a while, um, but we're going to try to make that more of a happening event. Yeah. And so we took the girls to the uh, Trolls movie, came back, we had a pizza party, um, cake, and they were up. At midnight, I went to bed, you know, knowing that I had to be here today, and, um, and I, they were still, you know, squealing downstairs. They had built a fort, and they were manning their fort
2: nice yeah
1: yeah and then today you know there'll be some more events today at the uh, weitzman household but happy birthday sophia yeah definitely number 10 double double digits. digits yeah yeah
2: well since it's been a while for you i just want you to know that now at the movie theater you can have reclining seats and they can serve you food at your seat wow oh, yeah, the, yeah i just want to speed that up for you i didn't want you to find out like 10 years from you now you know the only problem with that is I, I
0: once you recline the seats and everything like that i went to i went to see you uh,
1: <laughs> you're out you're out you're <sighs> sleeping
0: I, I woke up at the end of the movie and said "Damn, <laughs> you know what i mean i gotta yeah. go pay to see this $11 movie." eleven dollars
1: for you to uh, take a good nap Gone. <laughs> 215-227-2727 the number for all things legal if you've got a legal issue or question today's the day to give us a call right here at Court Radio at 215-227-2727 and we will endeavor to answer your said question uh, we've got a lot of things going on what do you want to tackle first
2: Let's tackle the live show that we have coming up first
1: live show folks we on December the 9th okay a few short weeks from now we'll be having a live court radio extravaganza right here at the studio 555 City Ave and you and your loved ones can be a part of that show um, and we're also having uh, Food and party favors and all kinds of fun stuff for our court radio fans. So feel free to give us a call today and uh, stake your claim on tickets for the upcoming live show on December 9th. All right. There you go. Uh, There was a lawsuit filed against uh, Puff Diddy oh it was oh
2: there was
1: (laughs) that was the fastest well almost the fastest lawsuit in uh the history of lawsuits
2: it was about 24 hours and i've never seen a lawsuit get settled at midnight on a friday
1: well i would have settled it before you know if i were representing puff um that thing would never have you know seen the light of day i don't know how much he got out from under it whether it was worth exposure at that level um, that's the question he'll probably always be asking himself um, she wanted what was it 30 million um, uh, that's
2: supposedly what the number was originally was 30 million
1: right so let's say he he got the deal done for 15 million
2: no the word is he got the deal done for 100 million <laughs> because yeah. that's so this was a very rare case where the internet was the detectives The Internet went and dug up every interview, every social media post, whether from Diddy, from her, or from former artists on the label, and everything looked bad. Everything looked damaging, and everything looked like it was going to be
1: admissible in court. Well, um, then that was a very bad deal, right? It cost them three times as much. That's why I said I would have made this thing go away a long time ago. You just there are times when it's time to settle your claim and um, you know, but you know what she got out of it? She, a lot more money, but also she got the fact that it was out there. I mean, that's probably the most important thing. If I, if I can get put my shoes into her, my feet into her shoes, I would say she accomplished two things. One, she made it public every sorted detail of their relationship um and it's you know available because the complaint is a public document so it's on the court re- docket you can you can grab it and read it to your heart's content um and she got paid yep. and you know he could have done without the uh the propaganda probably
2: Based on the uh, insider information, like, those of us in the music business were not surprised by these allegations. Like, it was a ton of us, men and women, talking to each other that this was not a surprising allegation to us. I think he—well, I know he's very much a narcissist, so he did not give her the $30 million initially because he did not believe. He thought he had broken her down enough that she would have crawled into a corner and not pursued this. So— that's why I hit you yesterday asking about that attorney. I forgot his name, but he has also handled a couple other high-profile cases. He handled Brian Flores, who was suing the NFL. Like, he does – that attorney doesn't run from high-profile. So it was definitely the, going to be the battle of two very high-profile attorneys because Diddy had Ben Brafman. This this was going to go to trial. That's what she had requested. Like, this was going to get even uglier.
1: Yeah, and the the allegations were, you know – they were heinous. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you now I wonder how many people who are listening now don't agree with it and think to themselves, what took her so long to come forward um, that she needed to thread the needle in a special law that New York City instituted or will be instituted in may
2: 2022 that you could go back
1: that was the state law the city law is um november 23 i believe to of 23 to november 23 of 25. there will be a two-year window where there is a infinite look back like it doesn't matter how long ago there's no statute of limitations that will apply But the acts have to have happened in New York City. It's a city ordinance. What you're referring to is a one-year look back that was coming to a close very shortly, and that was for New York State. Same unlimited look back. What do you feel, folks, about no statute of limitations? Actions that you engaged in 40 years ago could be the basis for a civil lawsuit now that's the distinction it's a civil lawsuit you can lose your property you can lose your cash but you cannot lose your liberty and um... and they allowed this look back to go back for a period of time all the way back to the beginning of time i don't know because witnesses You know why do we have statutes of limitation we have them because witnesses and evidence disappear over time and it becomes less and less reliable so we say okay we're gonna put a limit on how far back you can go and typically as you all know a statute of limitations on a civil case could be two years Mm -hmm. it may be longer for intentional acts it may be up in some jurisdictions it could be five years or longer but there is a limit it's not forever and so what I, I don't know what folks think about that whether that's troubling that this young lady was able to go back uh, decades and decades and decades and 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 you question why? why wasn't it sooner that she came forward
0: because you know people will just use the term extortion the difference between you know an accusation and extortion, because obviously, if any accusation comes in, like let's let's go into. Do you know the um, issue with uh, Jonathan Majors? No. Uh, okay. So Jonathan Majors um, is going to court um, for um, battery of a of an ex girlfriend. Okay. Right? Um, his his um, saying his defense is saying that she attacked him so you know now it's you know whether it's you know he attacked her or she attacked him and he would, he defended himself defended himself but anything in that you know he's he's been dropped from movies he's been dropped from his uh um his representation as far as his agent um they're looking to remove him or his storyline from from the Kang uh, Marvel. So, the accusation himself, the accusation itself, you lose so much just from being accused, right? So, you know that's going that's going in the trial. Um, but I always wonder, you know, like with Kevin Spacey, he lost everything and he
1: was found innocent. Exactly. Exactly. And that's not, you know, usually something that you can recover. Right. Uh, I mean, as a as a defendant in a civil lawsuit, uh, you defend yourself, you win your case, um, you might get a few dollars for some costs. Mm -hmm. That's it. Wow. That's it. And that's why people settle cases. So you see settlements that occur and they're confidential. You lock the person's mouth because you don't want the side damage from what they might be saying in the court of public opinion. Uh, and you make a deal, and in this case, Puff Diddy made a deal um, because he didn't want that in the court of public opinion. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. And I, you know, I'm I'm sure there's truth to that. I mean, when there's Smoke. There's usually fire. There's usually fire. fire. Yeah. yeah, and and if you're going to pay that kind of money, um, then you know you, chances are you feel like you've made the right business decision uh, for a lot of reasons. And um, so that case is it. It was the big bang yesterday. That was the big <laughs> in, bang in the news cycle. But yesterday morning, and then by midnight, uh, it was gone.
0: Yeah, it was quick. A lot of things happen at midnight.
1: 215 227 2727, the number for all things legal. We got an upcoming live show December 9th. If you like tickets, give us a call. 215 227 2727. All right. Yep. We've got um, a case in Massachusetts that was interesting this week. 450 patients at a Massachusetts hospital were potentially exposed to hepatitis and HIV in the past two years and uh, the hospital has notified the uh, the the potential claimants um, of their exposure at Salem Hospital Um, those patients who were uh, in for an endoscopy which by the way I have every five years myself Um, and so I'm quite familiar with this procedure they they put you out and put a tube down your throat and do a visual inspection of your your throat, your stomach, the top of your stomach, et cetera. Um, and so in that process, in Massachusetts, um, they potentially exposed these patients, these 450 patients, to HIV and hepatitis. Um, and so nobody, though, nobody has been diagnosed with either disease. They've, you know, I don't know if they're all in the process of getting tested. Um, and the thing about these diseases is these diseases can fulminate for many years before you can actually see them and so the question is um, there are lawsuits that sue a defendant simply for um, the cost of the testing over the lifetime of the claimant Um, and so there there's one lawsuit we would expect to see now with only 450 people That's not a very huge number, but some law firm, I guarantee you, has already begun a complaint um, for the uh, payment of the testing over the lifetime of these individuals.
0: And then then with the lawsuit, I guess if they win the lawsuit of the lifetime testing, the judge can,
1: you know, can, you know. You can't sue for something that hasn't happened right so your fear is am I giving up my rights if I should get the disease right yeah that makes sense and the answer is I don't believe you are because you don't have it so you can't sue today for something you don't have when you when you realize what you have now you should the attorney will carve out an exception Mm -hmm. in the complaint in the uh, releasing documents and say we're releasing you from Testing uh, for all future testing based on this settlement But we are not releasing you from the damages. We suffer from the disease should we get the disease that will be carved out
2: gotcha. Now what about the mental anguish? So because every time now I have to go get tested I'm, I'm fearing the worst. What about the person? What about that? Does that not come into play as part of the
1: negligent infliction of emotional distress N I E D negligent infliction of emotional distress is a cause of action. Um, so the emotional distress by itself uh, could be the basis. However, in many jurisdictions, in order to bring a negligent infliction of emotional distress, you need to have some physical injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the the. Uh, is the physical injury, and not not simply a psychological injury, um, and and so the question is, you know, it, does Massachusetts allow a negligent infliction claim without a physical injury? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and I'm not sure you'd want to bring it. Depends on how emotionally distressed I guess you are, but I, I would say. Um, that uh, it, you know, from a damages standpoint, um, I'm looking for the cases where you actually have uh, HIV or hepatitis, um, and and then of course you have uh, a substantial claim because those are you know serious life changing diseases and maybe life ending diseases, um, and so uh, the but you know there there is the possibility of a negligent infliction claim two one five. Two two seven twenty seven twenty seven. have you been, ever been exposed uh, to some potential disease or um, problem that was not your making, um, and what did you do about it? 215 things are going on in Delaware, did you hear about this? No, what's going on? <clears throat> Three stolen cars in one morning in an hour uh, for people who went out to start their car in the morning uh, to warm it up, then went back in the house to grab a coffee or whatever, and while they were back in the house, somebody jumped in their car, and off they went.
0: Yep. Gone on the date, you know, it's, it just seems, you know, uh, society is so much more lawless than before. You know, we used to be able to take that... Granted, right. We just went outside, started our car, go in, and have a coffee. When we get in the car, it's nice and warm and toasty and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean.
1: Now you come out and you see four, you know, tire tracks leaving, <laughs> leaving the house.
0: Yeah. So basically, they're they're saying, look, go out, wear a hoodie, do whatever, stay but in stay the in the car. Yeah. Stay in the car. Don't leave the car, so that you know
1: those potential thieves might be thwarted you know a lot of new cars nowadays have the auto start feature but i don't know if you start it if the doors remain locked
0: right and even if the doors are locked there's still a potential for them to still sure.
1: it. bust the window and in the car you go right and if it's started then it's it's gone. it's gone yeah <clears throat> um well there you go
0: yeah they're, they're definitely suggesting look go out start you know because most new cars really don't need to be warmed up so it doesn't take that long for a car to warm up yeah you just I mean, gotta you just, <clears throat> you just gotta you know you just
1: gotta deal with it i'm just wondering like. When I was a kid, cold was cold, like, you know, below zero. That was cold.
0: Right.
1: We don't have cold like that up here in Delaware anymore. I mean, mean, (laughs) you know, we have a couple days, but even, but even. That's not really cold. I mean, what's happened to people? (laughs) You know, that's just kind of, that's a little, I mean, 35, 33. How cold did it get down to? Yeah. It's just, you know, never leave your car running anywhere. And I've seen cases where uh, people have left the car running while they go in to get a pack of cigarettes at the uh, 7-Eleven and the car is gone by the time they come out. And and I've actually collected from the negligence of the – usually, folks, when your car is stolen, you're not responsible for the actions of the person who stole your car, obviously. They have an accident. Your insurance does not pay for that accident um, because – that was not your negligence it was the negligence of someone who stole your vehicle so the people they hit are without a remedy unless they have uninsured or underinsured motorist wow. however however i have successfully sued car uh, insurance carriers because you can't make it easier for somebody to steal your car if you do leave your keys in the running car and you go into a store you know or should know that one of the things that could happen is somebody could steal your car and drive like a fool. And so in those cases, the insurance carriers I have gotten them to pay for the damages caused by the negligence of the stolen car. But typically, if you have kept your car locked and somebody steals your car, you're not responsible if they go and hurt somebody using your vehicle. So, you know, but.
0: And even even in carjacking situations.
1: Of course. Yeah. Same thing in a carjacking situation. But if you contribute and make it easier for somebody to steal your car. Like
0: going out to warm your car in the morning.
1: Yes. Then you may be responsible for the negligence that falls from the actions of the thief. 215-227-2727. The number for all things legal. All right, let's take some callers. Line one, David, welcome to court radio, sir.
3: Yeah, good morning. How are you doing today?
1: Good, thank you. What's happening in your life, David?
3: All right, well, a couple years back, uh, I received a settlement from the Philadelphia Housing Authority, right? And uh, they just, they, I mean, the settlement was for a cylinder that caved in on me while I was in the Housing Authority house, and the cylinder fell. But here's the kicker. Uh, I did not receive stuff for, for, for this. Uh, raccoons was in the ceiling, which made, which caused the ceiling to fall in because the ceiling had been wet, and the raccoons was in, in the house, and they fell, and they fell on me in the bed. now, I'm petrified. Little cats, any furry little animal, a possum, raccoon, I'm petrified. When I, even to the point that one time I, I peed myself when I, I came in mm. contact with one. So is is that
1: another lawsuit, or I have to chalk that up? Well, it could have been a part of your lawsuit that you settled. Um, But all of your injuries, those known and unknown, are completely settled when you take a settlement. And what Eric and I were talking about at the top of the show was when you know there may be another injury down the pike, you could have made an exception for that particular injury um... maybe you know maybe the other side would say hey no we we want a full settlement we're done with you and if you want your money you're gonna to have to sign a full settlement uh, but regardless without that language i guarantee you that the general release you signed for your quote-unquote settlement with the housing authority settled for every injury then known and those unknown really yeah so
0: even unknown if if he would he if at the time he didn't know he would be affected for a long term yes at psychologically yes. when he did the settlement
1: settled gone gone, gone. gone. yes right. you, yeah I mean you're you're signing a general release ordinarily when you get a settlement you are signing a general release and that release releases the party who pays you for all of the damages that they have caused but not only that but for all any possible claimant you're you're releasing the whole world from anything they could have done to you on that day and time in that incident free and clear free and clear done what do you think about that david
3: well i think i made a huge mistake in not going to the right Uh, attorneys at the
1: time when I did. Mm-hmm. Moral of the story. Yeah, moral. Keep Dean Weitzman's number on your phone. 215-227-2727. You can't go wrong. Thank you, David. Have a great Saturday. Thank you. Line two, Eric. Charisma. Good morning, Charisma. Oh, I can't
4: believe I actually got through. This is so awesome. But anyway, okay, this is what happened. okay. I was Ubering, and I picked up a lady, and um, she was just going, like, a mile away. It was in Germantown. And she says to me, pull in this apartment complex really quick. I have to get a key. I'm only going to be really, really quick. And I usually pull over for people all the time, and I never have a problem. So I went in there, and um, it was the back of an apartment complex. And she knocks on somebody's window and then smashes it because the window was, like, a line where somebody could – walk up to it, knock on it. And she smashed it, ran back in the car, and then a guy comes out of the apartment, runs out of the apartment and smashes my back passenger window. And and I got so scared because I didn't even know what to do. I drove up the street because I didn't know if he had a gun or what, so I drove up the street and I stopped and I, I called 911. And when the police got there, I said, well, this passenger, she smashes this guy's window and then he comes out and smashes my window. So we got to go back to that apartment complex and figure out who that guy is so I can I can file charges against him for smashing my window and they said oh no no no, no. we're not going to do that we don't care about vandalism there's too many murders around here and we don't care uh we'll give you the police report number and you can send away for that but we can't do anything to help you and then I call I called Uber I reported it to Uber uh, they said, if you want to get the car fixed through us, it's a $2,500 deductible, which I don't make that much at Uber. The rates are real low now, and I don't make anywhere near that. So I went through my regular car insurance, and it's fixed now, but I'm trying to maybe get a civil suit against these people, but Uber won't give me the number of the lady. or no, She won't give me the name of the lady. It just said NY on the thing, so they won't give me the name of the lady or anything, and I... I I don't know if I need to sue Uber or try to take, get a civil suit against her and the guy. I don't even know exactly who they are.
1: Well, first off, you know, what was the cost to you? You, you know, you, you had the repair done. You had to pay something out of your pocket. That's a question. And if so, how much?
4: 350 but I wasn't able to Uber for a very long time. I still have, like, a lot of mental problems from it because I'm always afraid somebody's going to ruin my car. And I haven't I haven't been able to Uber for like months. Like, well, I probably it happened it happened October 9th. so probably like a month and a half I haven't been able to drive.
1: Okay, so you got three hundred and fifty dollars in damage to your window. What what what's the loss in earnings from Uber for a month and a half That's on an average?
4: Insurance, the insurance the insurance paid five thousand dollars.
1: Okay, so your three fifty was your deductible. Yes. Okay, but that's the that's what the insurance paid. And so the insurance is entitled, if they wanted to go after somebody, they could go after them. That's their loss, not yours. You have a $350 deductible, and you have some wage loss, um, and you can't bring a claim on behalf of the insurance company, not unless you got them to agree for you to do that, but that wouldn't make a lot of sense. The money's going directly to them. So the point I'm trying to make here is that, you probably have a few thousand dollars in at in the most extreme example a few thousand dollars in damage is it worth pursuing a claim that you will have to pay somebody to present a claim on your behalf an attorney or you can do it on your own in small claims court if you want to do it on your own that's always fun um you can just you know you have to but you have to know who you're suing and without having that information the names of the parties involved that's where you're going to fall down. If you can get the names of the parties involved, you can sue them in small claims court for the damages, all of the damages you just mentioned.
0: Will the city at all, let's say, because she said that she can get the names from Uber.
1: Can, <clears throat> can she can th- file a lawsuit against a John Doe right. in Pennsylvania now. That's just, you know, there, there's a change in the rules. Then she could subpoena that information from Uber once she files suit and um and then she could get the name of the girl and then she would depose the girl and then she could ask the girl who the guy was what the address was and then she can join the guy in now we're you know we we've we're talking about she's probably spent many hundreds of dollars just to get this information mm-hmm. um and and you know that's the reason why you'll never find an attorney who's willing to do that uh, because there's simply wait, you're going to spend more than the case is worth, um, and unfortunately, you're caught up in it, and it costs you three fifty and a couple of weeks of missed time of work, and it's uh, like that's that's it. Not worth it. Not worth it.
4: or anything like that.
1: Say again. I can't go after Uber. Uber. What did Uber do wrong? You can go. You can subpoena Uber's records once you file a lawsuit. And Uber would then have to give you the name of the woman.
0: But you, you know, in order to sue anyone, you have to prove negligence. What did Uber do?
4: I don't know, but I'm just saying. Okay, well, what if i um, What if? What if I was? What if I was Ubering and somebody beat me up or caused bodily injury? <clears throat> then what? Well, then what could I do?
1: Then, then you would. You, again, you could sue the person who did the act, but not Uber. Uber didn't. Isn't that person didn't act as the agent of Uber under those circumstances, so there's no connection to Uber at all, other than the fact that you happen to be Ubering at the time that some independent party attacks you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, you know, sometimes um, on these, these safety claims, the company is responsible when they knew or should have known that there was a danger that lurked and they had a duty to, to protect their client or customer or their employee, whomever, then sometimes you can bring a claim against a culpable company who uh, failed to provide security. But in this case, Uber has no duty. Um, There is no claim, and Charisma... Um, Thank God nothing more serious happened. Thanks for listening to Court Radio. Have a great Saturday. Folks, we have to take a quick two-minute break, and we'll be right back. If you've got legal issues or questions, 215-227-2727. We'll get you on the air in the next half hour. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters. And choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. legal answers here's more court radio with your host Dean Weitzman good morning and welcome back I'm Dean Weitzman and this is court radio every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. we tackle the tough legal issues of our callers right here in the studio and we're having a live studio show For our listeners on December 9th, it's sort of a party show. We're going to be doing uh, the show live, taking listeners' uh, questions right here from the studio. We're going to be having food, fun, and some merriment. Merriment? Yes. Just make it up. Holiday time. And so if you'd like to attend the live court radio holiday show, all you got to do is give us a call here at the studio. 215-227-2727. We'll get your information and get you lined up to come to see the whole firm in person and right here in Ballackinwood at the studio at 555 City Ave. So if you're around on December 9th and you would like to come, just give us a call today, 215-227-2727. All right, let's talk to Shira on Line 1. Eric? Hi, Shira. Welcome to Hi. Court Radio.
6: Hi. Good morning. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. How are you doing? What are you doing today? What's on your agenda for today, Shira?
6: I'm actually on my way. My church is having a women's conference, so I'm on my way there.
1: Ah, okay. Shout to the
0: women. Yeah. Shout to the ladies.
1: The ladies are going to get together in conference. <laughs> what's ladies. What's on the yes. What's on the topics for the conference today? What kind of kind of Problems are you guys tackling?
6: Um, you know, typical women, you know, um, issues whether you know just um, being a wife, being single, being a mom. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. just how to navigate um through life basically um with the support of other women and therapy and
1: everything. So That's great. Well being, yeah. Sheer is on the right path, and she's got a question for me. So go for it.
6: Okay. Um, I was in an auto accident um, about two years ago. The driver um, that hit my vehicle was at fault. She, um, during the accident, we found out that uh, she did not have a license from the United States. She showed the police a license from Honduras. Um, So at that point we knew (laughs) that she was not licensed to drive here. Um, The car, however... Um, was, reg- was legally registered and insured by her husband. Um, so I was able to, you know, seek remedy as far as, like, rental cars, get the car fixed, all of that. Um, so the dilemma was I had a 2-year-old. Uh, my son at the time was 2 years old in the vehicle. And I also had my little dog. <laughs>
0: um,
6: so when the accident happened, my dog, like, flew from one side to the other in the car. And... Um, of course, mommy mode, I'm trying to turn, like, literally turn around and protect everyone. Um, so I was told that my dog basically doesn't matter. Um, I guess he's considered property, like he's not considered, like, a living thing um, to uh, sue. And um, my, my question, uh, I guess, would be more referred to my son. Um, so he was two at the time, right? And, of course, you know, verbally couldn't. Say, oh, mommy, this hurts, that hurts. I just took him to get checked out, and they said, oh, he looks good. What if years later he presents any type of problem, right? Um, Any type of, uh, I don't know, medical issue or something, and it could have been related to the accident. How would he be able to um, seek any remedy
1: for that? Those are some really great questions. Number one, you're correct. In Pennsylvania, Uh, our pets are considered property they cannot bring pain and suffering claims uh, on behalf of your pet Um, the pet if the pet required a $300 vet bill because something happened to the pet in that accident then you can get the 300 bucks that's about the extent of it if the dog was killed in the accident and it cost you nothing uh, to buy the dog um, and nothing to replace the dog, like let's say you got it at the pound, uh, then the pet has no value at all. Question now, If
0: what if it's a support dog <clears throat> and you needed that dog for emotional support?
1: Whatever it costs you to replace the dog, so you'd get another support dog, and, it, and if it costs you $5,000 to get a support dog, then you're entitled to $5,000, but mm. n- nothing more. The dog itself, other than the replacement of the dog, has no value in an accident so that's that as far as your son goes okay Shira asked um, my two-year-old was involved in an accident what if something pops up down the pike Um, in Pennsylvania the statute of limitations is delayed uh, for children and so his statute of limitations will not begin to run, and typically there is a two-year statute of limitations for civil actions in motor vehicle claims. His statute will not begin to tick away until the, his 18th birthday. So he has until 18 and then two years beyond that. So technically anything that comes up until he is 20, he can bring a case. Obviously the longer it takes to do you know, uh, to uncover an injury you allege happened from the accident, the harder it is to connect causally, connect that injury to the claim. But if you got beyond that, if it was clear that the injury was and did emanate from that accident, then he absolutely has until his 20th birthday. Okay.
6: So my question is for, for me like if I if I take this case to court and I settle right um, that well, I guess he still would
1: you're I settling guess my case Yeah, your case does not impact him as long as his name is not on the release and it shouldn't be if he's not getting paid, then your your settlement, Does not impact him
3: right
1: okay he's good to go until his 20th birthday Um, and you know again with the caveat that the longer it takes to come up with this injury the harder it will be to connect it to the accident but it's possible it's always possible and you know we're talking about in theory in theory he has a viable claim until his 20th birthday
6: Okay, that's
1: good to know. Shira, have a great time at the conference. Thanks for listening to Court Radio. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. 215-227-2727, the number for all things legal in Philly. We have, um, you know, there was a lot of things going on. Um, Puff Diddy's claim is settled, um, and... Sarah says she has it on good information that it was 100 mil.
0: (coughs) Yeah, I I didn't even see that. He could
1: have gotten out for 30 30 mil, mil. Mm -hmm. could have gotten out for 30 mil, um, let the lady file her complaint, Um, and, you know, we don't have the facts. And what happens in these cases is that we may never get the facts of the settlement, because it's a confidential settlement. I can't tell you, Eric, how many releases. When I started practicing law, it was rare indeed. It would be a puff-ditty kind of situation where you insisted upon confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, every single release almost without exception has a clause in there for confidentiality. Um, and so most folks who have settlements with parties, just average, ordinary Joes, Uh, cannot discuss the details of the settlement. And if they do, they can lose the settlement and many, many, many more dollars on top of that. Um, So contractually, most defendants insist upon confidentiality. And in this case, obviously, that's an element of the claim so that the young lady who made the allegations will never be able to talk about it again publicly in her life. He has sealed her mouth, permanently, with regard to the incidents involved. That's the way it is. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: All right. Let's talk to uh, Tawana, line two. Hi, Tawana. Tawana. Going twice. All right. Kawana brought up a good question. Um, She used hair relaxer, I mean, to talk about a a topic that we've addressed before, but she used hair relaxer over her lifetime. Uh, She had fibroids and ultimately had a hysterectomy, and she's calling to see um, if she has a claim, and the answer is not right now. Unfortunately, um, I, I will say this, with regard to hair relaxer, if you have been diagnosed with endometrial or uterine cancer, you have a disease which has been clearly, medically, and scientifically connected to the use of hair relaxer. With regard to fibroids and hysterectomies, um, the connection is not as strong. Um, And the firms, myself included, doing this type of litigation, Um, have put on hold our cases involving fibroids and hysterectomies and we are still exploring the medical connection between fibroids hysterectomy and hair relaxer Um, And until that medical connection can be um, formed with certainty we are putting on hold those claims Um, if however you have endometrial or uterine cancer or cervical cancer Those cancers are more closely aligned with the use of hair relaxer than anything else. And those cases are good cases. We have many, many clients who unfortunately have suffered with those cancers that we're currently representing against the hair relaxer companies. Hmm. Um, And so uh, my, you know, my advice to to Tawana is, um, you know, keep in... Keep contacting us every few months to see if we've been able to make that connection. Right now, it's not strong enough to pursue those claims. 215-227-2727, the number for all things legal. Let's talk to Sarah on line one. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Welcome to Court Radio. What's happening? Okay. Um,
7: This is emotional for me.
1: Take your time. My mother
7: um, developed breast cancer. It metastasized to her lungs, um, progressed quickly to stage four. In the midst of everything that was happening, um, to release her from the hospital at the time, they recommended sending her to hospice because they really didn't know. Um, What had happened was she started developing fluid around the lungs, which was one of the signs that she was pretty much... Um, counting down time we were told that before they released her that she had to transition there in order to go home so from the hospital to hospice and then she was supposed to come home Um, they were supposed to show us how to drain the fluid from around her lungs when it built up that was the only thing that could be done at that point Uh, right before they released her um, The medical team, I forget what department, came through to check how much fluid was being drained and things of that nature. And while they were there, she had a really bad coughing spell. And it worried me, but they said that that was actually a good thing that she was coughing because it was helping to release the the fluid from around her lungs. She needed to cough. So that was one of the things I intended to keep an eye on. Now, we get her to hospice. She's fine. She's happy. shes You would never know anything was wrong. Um, but the nurse wanted to give her a sedative, and she really didn't want one. So I convinced her. I said, okay, let her just give you this one dose. This was about 8 o'clock at night. And then you don't have to take another one. If you wake up, it'll, you just don't have to worry about it. So I left my youngest daughter there. To, she had been with her grandmother the whole, the whole time. She'd been in the hospital for a couple of weeks. I get there the next morning, and my mother is still asleep, and it's 1030 in the morning now. My mother gets up at 4 or 5 o'clock. Clockwork doesn't matter. So I'm like, why is she still asleep? And my daughter says, well, they sedated her. I'm like, why are they sedating her? So I request the doctor. He tells me that during the night... The nurse called and said my mother complained about not being able to breathe well. She suggested she sedate her, and apparently this happened more than once. So I'm asking the doctor, said, why is she still sedated? It's 1030 in the morning. He's like, well, she's in distress. And you're looking at her body, and you can see that she's pulling really hard to breathe. And I looked at her, she should be on a CPAP machine, which was next to her bed but was not connected to her. I said, if you put that on her, she'll look better. And they did, and immediately everything filled back in. She looked normal. She's breathing. So as I'm talking to him, I'm like, why are you sedating her? Well, he says, well, she's in distress. You can tell. I said, how do you know she's in distress? You never he, – he, you know, I, I, during the conversation, he let me know he never spoke to her directly. They never drained. It wasn't even considered.
1: It was like every time the
7: nurse called. He told her to sedate her, so at least twice after that first dose, she was sedated.
1: What happened then?
7: As I'm telling them, they were actually about to give her another dose. and I said, no, let her wake up. So I'm calling my brothers, and I'm talking to them, and my daughter tapped me, and I turn around. And, oh, that was, I'm sorry, that was the other thing. We asked her to drain it. You know, I said to the nurse, well, can can you drain it so she can breathe better? And reluctantly, she says yes. And then, again, we were told they would show us how to do it. So as she's setting up, she says, you have to leave. And I'm like, why are we leaving? Well, you can't be in here when I do this. We have to be. You're supposed to show us. Before the nurse gets to set her up, she takes her last breath. I watched her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I kind of, uh, reluctantly, I, I, I mean, I, we, we have to go to break, um, and I want to talk to you, so I want to pick up with you um, right on the other side of the break, Sarah, Okay. i Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215 227 2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215 227 2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning
5: matters most.
1: I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. legal answers here's more court radio with your host Dean Weitzman good morning and welcome back I'm Dean Weitzman and this is court radio we had Sarah on the line talking about some care her mom was getting uh, too much sedation uh, in hospice um, and uh, I I assume Sarah that you had your your thinking was that um, this brought about her uh, the end of her life and and it may have uh, you know, when you're in hospice care, um, we're dealing in hours sometimes, days, um, and and your time is short. Um, her, as you said, her cancer was stage four. Um, the doctors and nurses who practice in hospice care can tell when the end of life is coming, um, and sedation is the choice mode for folks under those circumstances. Um, and I don't believe that the sedation was the cause of her death um, but it certainly perhaps eased her into that place Um, and it's obviously not something that's easy to see uh, from a loved one's perspective Um, but the uh, you know even if the hospice care was negligent the question always is in medical malpractice whether that negligence was the cause Of the injury or in this case death Um, I don't believe you'll be able to show that the extra medication was the cause of death because it's interplaying with the advanced stage of her disease at that point but even if you could uh, it hastened her death maybe by minutes or hours or days Um, and that um, always comes down to a situation where you know, um, the, the, the damages that you can prove are directly caused by the, the negligence of the doctors is um, not enough to warrant bringing a medical malpractice claim, even if uh, in this circumstance uh, you were able to show that, which I doubt very much you could. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story uh, with us, Sarah. And let me take a last quick call on line two from Dolly. Oh, Dolly? Yes. You've got like two minutes, so give me the very short version of your question.
7: Okay, it's uh, uh, probate. I was with my partner for 23 years. He passed away in January, and his son is coming down and trying to put me out of our house. Because they say that it was entitled to them because he didn't have a will. All right. But I feel like we just common law and that I invested in the house. And at least I should get that because they just want the house to sell it.
1: I hear you. All right. So here's the quick answer. Um, common law in Pennsylvania was uh, abrogated or di- gotten rid of um, in uh, to January of 2005. And now, if you were a common-law spouse before January of 2005, um, then you do have rights. As a spouse, you have a one-third interest in his estate, even if there is no will. Well, as a spouse, you might be entitled to half of his estate if his children came from a different mother. So um, there is definitely an interest if and only if— The court determines you were his common-law spouse, which theoretically is possible since it was before 2005. But to have a a common-law marriage, one must have a ceremony of sorts. You say, I take you to be my husband. He says, I take you to be my wife. And you hold yourself out to the rest of the world as husband and wife from that day forward. If you have witnesses who can attest to your common-law marriage, then... You may have a claim here, um, and you should, you know, consider retaining an attorney to explore that. But again, in these types of cases, they're not done on a contingent fee basis. You need money to hire an attorney, um, and you're free to give us a call or anybody else um, to discuss that claim, Dolly. I don't have any more time to talk to you about it, but um, you may have a claim. there. That's all I can say at this point, because common law marriage did not end until 2005 and those before it were grandfathered in thanks for listening to court radio today folks don't forget we have the court radio live show on december 9th if you'd like to go send me an email to dean at my philly lawyer.com see you next week same time same place